Hi. About a month ago, Reverend Ken delivered a spirit flick sermon based on the movie Silver Lining Playbook that considered the games we play and how we play them. Of course, the games, as they were discussed, were metaphorical. And not. It made me think. So many of us throw it around, this word, the concept of people playing games with each other, playing to win. Always playing to win. So I've often wondered, and I've even sometimes asked, what is this game exactly? What are we winning? The sermon asked this question. Can we play games simply for the sake of playing? Better yet, can one play to just be? Best yet, can one play to create, connect, and love? I already knew about the idea that some games are finite, where one person must win and one person must lose for the game to be played to completion. But I was struck by the idea that games can also be infinite, where the the staying in the game is done so for the sake of the game itself. When the focus is taken off the winning and the losing, the shape of the game expands to include discovery, intimacy, and as Ken put it, being there and being alive. Seen from this lens, are there more centrally important or essentially sacred games that any of us play than those we play with our family members? Whether it's our family of origin or the family we have created, These are the relationships that define and color the lives we live. These people, our families, they are the key players in our infinite games. I am a daughter, a sister, a wife, and a mother. The games that each role requires me to play are rich and complex on their own, say nothing of the ways in which they intertwine and overlap. Take a moment to consider the roles you play in your own unique family life. Who are you to each member of the tribe you call your family? What are the day-to-day demands, expectations, joys, triumphs within each relationship? I'm not a person who likes to use the word should, so instead I will tell you what I wish for. I wish we were all fulfilled, fueled even, by the energy we feel in each of these roles. Even if the relationships themselves are not perfect, I wish for the aggregate to come out to something damn near awesome. I wish we always felt lucky to have the stories, to have the families that we have. So do we? Do you? Consider for a moment the full range of emotions one might feel for real in any given family situation. I do feel lucky. My husband John and I have found our way to a wonderful place, working hard, raising our six-year-old son Justin, and being present for the most important things in our families. In this life, I feel happy, secure, loved, and, well, it's not always peaches and roses. At times I feel frustrated, judged, overwhelmed, and if I'm really honest, Even with all the goodness that is, I sometimes feel alone. Disconnected in a way that makes me wonder what the heck I am doing with this life of mine. It's at these vulnerable moments that I force myself out of my head and take a good look around. 
Until about a year ago, I was most likely to find the answers to my problems in well-meaning family and friends, and I would not trade them for the world. They get it. They get me, and they're willing to do or say almost anything to help me through whatever it is at the moment. But in a world that seems to be most comfortable with fixing problems and moving on, or treating victories like a call to competition, I still felt like there was something missing. More often than wanting to be fixed or challenged, I want to hear someone say, that does suck, I've been there. Or just, good for you, my friend, good for you. I want to be able to put a voice to my experiences, the good and the not so good, and allow them to be held by another person, just held. I want to be able to be in whatever I am in and know that I am not alone. This is the first and foremost goal of family ministry, as we have defined it so far. I've been lucky enough to spend the last year surrounded by a creative, motivated, and open-hearted team of women. Women who share the DNA of this place, of Wellsprings, and who are also daughters, sisters, wives, mothers, and much, much more. We came together as a result of what we do here at Wellsprings. We met at a springboard We listened to each other, and we felt the pulse of our mutual yearning and finally decided to start a conversation about how to meet our needs, our family's needs, and the needs of the families within Wellsprings on a deeper level. With Reverend Ken's support, we found each other and began a journey, each of us wanting to add a vital element to our Wellsprings experience and wanting to give of ourselves to get it. We have taken the time to name our belief in the innate capacity of families to connect, create, discover, and heal. It is my sincere hope that the families that make up our Wellsprings community can more deeply experience these things within themselves and with each other. Today, two women on the team, Rebecca Kerper and Liz Casals, will share their stories of this journey so far. We want you to experience what we have been building. Rebecca? Hi, good morning. I've been posting one picture a day on Facebook since January 1st, 2011. Here's 2011. Well, you can't see it at all. I'll get into it more. 2012 and 2013. Sometimes they illustrate the chaos that's our life, like this. June 4th, 2012, I pulled into the driveway tonight after work and was attacked by a mob of crazed children. Sometimes they're wholesome family pictures, like this. Uh, December 28th, 2012, I am Buzz Lightyear, I come in peace. Sometimes they're funny, like this. November 12th, 2011, leave it to Cole to be more interested in the zoo map than the rare dangerous animal sitting five feet away from him. Good job, Coley. Sometimes they're raw, like this, June 27th, 2013. Looking through my camera roll, I discovered that the boys hijacked my phone and took about 500 pictures as they planted fake poo around the pool. (laughs) Glad they're getting the most out of technology. Sometimes they're heartwarming, like this. 
July 18, 2012. On the way home tonight, Ryan and I pulled over to check out the crazy sunset. He said, it looks like God painted the sky with beautiful colors. Oh, to see the world through a seven-year-old's eyes. And sometimes they're just downright ridiculous like this. <laughs> January 7, 2012. Note to self, a toddler and a full tub of Nes- strawberry Nesquik will never make a good combo. Ever. <laughs> Documenting my life through these pictures has turned into something of a daily spiritual practice for me. Before I go to bed each night, I flip through my camera roll and reflect on everything that happened during that day. By this time, I'm usually exhausted. I've worked a full day and then took care of the kids after that, and most days I'm just counting the minutes until bedtime. But as we say in our family, the days are long and the years are short. Looking through the pictures at night allows me to reflect on the chaos, the wholesome family moments, the funny and heartwarming moments, and those times that were just downright ridiculous. By sharing my stories and pictures every day, I'm opening myself up to my friends and saying, this is me, this is my family, we're not perfect, we're loud, we may hide fake poo behind your back, but we love each other with a fierceness that doesn't need to be written in any Facebook caption, because you can see it in the pictures and in person. This is also a big part of what drew me to the concept of a family ministry at Wellsprings and what has kept me coming back to the discernment group that's been building it. One of the most interesting things about this discernment group was the way that we all fell into the feeling of connection and understanding from the very first time that we met. We all have very different stories and family makeups, but the tie that strings us together is Wellsprings. It's those values that we share, along with the shared experiences of being part of a family, that makes us all nod our heads in understanding and compassion when we join together to explore this amazing opportunity. Here's part of my story. We found out that we were pregnant with our fourth child when we had a four-year-old, a two-year-old, a three-month-old. Oops. (laughs) Layered on top of the stress, stress and exhaustion of being pregnant, I also had my other boys to take care of, plus my full-time job, managing a department at QVC, which, in case you didn't know, is a 24-7 operation, not a great setup for mommy downtime. The day we had our 20-week ultrasound, my husband, Phil, and I were giddy with excitement. We've always loved the experience of being able to meet our babies through the ultrasound machine. But as the appointment dragged on and on, we realized that this one wasn't going like the others. We got the great news that it was a boy, as we thought, but then we were told that there may be a heart defect and further testing would need to be run. It was like an out-of-body experience. As we made our plans for follow-ups and appointments, people started asking, so you had the ultrasound, is it a boy or a girl? When we said boy, we almost always got the reply of, oh, I'm so sorry, or when are you going to try again for a girl? In the state that we were in, it didn't matter to us whether the baby was a boy or a girl. We wanted a healthy child, period, end of sentence. Thankfully, Dean ended up being perfectly fine and healthy, but that experience provided me with a lot of clarity about my family. It doesn't matter to me if my children are boys or girls. I get asked a lot, aren't you sorry that you won't be able to throw your daughter a wedding, or don't you wish you could go prom dress shopping with your daughter? The answer to that is no. I try not to wish for the things that I don't have, and I wouldn't want my family to be any other way. When I express these things to my Wellsprings friends, you get it. You understand. 
You allow me to go beyond the surface of what my Facebook pictures could ever explain, and this is why a family ministry will be so important to this congregation. One of the reasons that my family is a part of Wellsprings is because of the joy that my children get from being part of this congregation. Like the way my six-year-old Cole lights up during the part of the ceremony where we greet each other. He sets a goal to shake at least five hands every Sunday and comes back proud as can be when he meets more than his weekly quota. (laughs) I'm sure many of you have had the pleasure of a little boy with a big cowlick interrupting your conversation with an outstretched hand and a proud smile. I saw him catching you guys over there today. Or the way my four-year-old Charlie sits in awe of the band. When he sees Andrea or Teresa walking down the ramp, he follows them with his eyes and he coos, Mommy, she's the singer in the band. (laughs) And at home, he pulls out his toy instruments and says, I'm playing church. (laughs) For those who are part of this community, we all have stories of why being part of Wellsprings means so much to us. And it's those shared values and experiences that will ultimately make this family ministry so meaningful. It's one thing to have Facebook friends who keep up with your life through pictures, but it's another thing to forge deep connections with people that are based on something you have in common, which I know that we have because we attend Wellsprings together. And that's a desire to connect, a thirst for fulfillment, and celebrating the religion that we have with a yearning to make us stronger, both for ourselves and for our families. My story is as complex as the rest of yours, and even though I have a bunch of boys, doesn't make my life any more complicated or any more stressed than yours. We're all in the same boat. We're looking to raise happy and healthy kids if we have them, not feel judged, learn from each other, and find joy in our families, because the days are long and the years are short. I hope that the Wellsprings Family Ministry supplies all of this to you and more, and I look forward to sharing in this journey together. And with that, I'll leave you with this. May 12th, 2013. Sometimes the smallest things take up the most room in your heart. Thank you. As the youngest of five sisters, being raised by devout Catholic immigrant parents, I definitely lucked out. My sisters were the warriors, fighting the battles that slowly wore my parents down. (laughs) By the time I was in fourth grade, my sisters were out of the house for one reason or another, and I was alone with my tired and weary parents. (laughs) By then, my mom didn't force me to kneel in our hallway saying the rosary or wear a veil to church every Sunday. But she did bring me to the church rectory after school, every day, where she worked. I spent the weekends with her in Philly, where she helped out her best friend, a priest, my Uncle Fred, with the bookkeeping for his parish. My mom likes to tell the story about how she, after she had me, she left the hospital to go straight to church. (laughs) I can't recall ever missing Sunday Mass in 18 years at home. This is a picture of me on my high school graduation. (laughs) Yes, surrounded by four Catholic priests, yes. (laughs) Thinking about all the tragic things revealed by the church in recent years, I suppose that the crisis of faith that I experienced just a few short months after this picture was taken was inevitable. 
After this, I ventured cross-country, leaving behind a safe and sheltered world, my oldest and dearest friends, and the community that had raised me. Fast forward 14 years, my husband Sam and I are expecting our first child. As an adult, I had maintained a strong interest in spirituality, although steered clear of religious institutions. Without strong religious ties of our own, we had learned to accommodate our parents' strong convictions, getting married in the church, committing to baptize our child, and going through the motions, even attempting to go back to church for the sake of our new son. It became clear that we were in trouble. One Sunday, after dragging Sam and Max uh, to church where we listened to an exceptionally bad sermon, Sam very politely told me I should never take him back to a Catholic church. And I couldn't really argue with him. But Sam and I had grown up in the same way, albeit in different religious traditions, and we thought back to how we were raised, the things that shaped us, and the pivotal moments that defined the kind of people we would later become. And we could no longer deny that the role the church had played in our lives. It was as members of these communities that we learned right from wrong, compassion, kindness, generosity, and respect. All critical, life-affirming lessons that we wanted to share with our own children. (laughs) But how are we supposed to do this when we had rejected the very core of the traditions in which we had been raised. Well, fast forward six years. Our son, Max, is six years old, and our daughter, Violet, is one. We came to Wellsprings, seeking a UU community with energy and vitality that would embrace our family. As we started to come regularly, Max took part in youth spirit, and Violet eventually learned to play with Miss Magda in the nursery. And I finally felt like I could breathe again. A sigh of relief. Our children were now safe. Cradled by this community of shared belief and values, no longer would they be left alone to be molded by our novice and inexpert parenting. But... (laughs) Finding the right community is not the end, but the beginning of our family's story at Wellsprings. How we grow as individuals and how we learn to grow as a family, practicing the values that we have chosen to believe. The reality of that story is that it's not easy. In fact, on most days, it is downright hard, and on some, ridiculously so. Unlike how I grew up, I can't send our kids off to school where they'll be indoctrinated with prescribed beliefs and values. Instead, every day, we have to find ways to live out our beliefs in the small moments of our lives. Learning to create space in the midst of the busyness and the chaos. Learning to be present so that we can bear witness to the wonder and learning to express gratitude for all of our blessings. I struggle with all of these things on a daily basis. And just because I believe doesn't make it true in my life. To add to this challenge as a parent, I am keenly aware 
of how these values are at odds with what society and culture would teach our kids is the path to happiness and fulfillment. Indeed, that is the battle that Sam and I fight day in and day out. And so we need help, really all the help we can get. When Elizabeth reached out and asked if I wanted to participate in a virtual message board to share ideas about what a family ministry might look like, I jumped at the chance. And if I'm honest, well, mainly because it was that she wasn't asking for my physical presence, <laughs> and which is often already required in more places than at one, at one time already. But it seemed like an easy way to engage with others around the challenges of family life which I have found to be exhausting and sometimes painfully lonely. But over the last several months, as the group moved from virtual to personal interaction, what has kept me involved, engaged, and committed to the process of defining ways we can serve families at Wellsprings is the same belief that brought me and my family through that door, that it is easier to do it together as part of a community than it is to do it alone. And although I believe this, I also know that it is not necessarily an easy fit for an introverted couple like Sam and I. It takes effort and intention. So what have I learned? Well, that virtual connection, no matter how efficient and easy, cannot replace authentic connection. That in just showing up, even after a long day, when there are still 20 things to do on your to-do list, can re-energize and reinvigorate you. It means that together, with just a few other folks who came to Wellsprings with similar aspirations, that I have learned how to open up. Space, sacred space, where it is possible to speak and listen from your heart. As a group, we have questioned and will continue to grapple with how we can grow this experience that we have created for others. But as with the other ministries at Wellsprings and the small groups that engage us, it is in this practice of community that we create the how and the what of the lessons we teach. Whether it is the broader community that is Wellsprings or the intimacy of family relationships, I am learning how to be the kind of woman, daughter, sister, friend, partner, mother that I want to be. And ultimately, that is what I hope to teach my kids. Good to be this far through. Uh, These are just two stories of so many in our group and in our congregation as a whole. While your details are certainly different, you may connect with the idea that we have just as many similarities as we do differences, that our stories are woven with the same threads. Or you may have connected with the honesty and humility with which these stories were shared. You may want more, to hear more, to share your own story, simply to know there is something vital going on here. If this is true for you, please feel free to leave your name and contact information on the connection card in your order of service. This is the car salesman portion. Um, Or or simply seek out one of the family ministry team members. Of course, you can come to me, 
or to Rebecca or to Liz, um, but you can also speak with, and please stand as I call your name so everybody can see you, Andrea Tallison, Rachel Leviton, Deb Soderland, Leslie Young, Paige Buck, and Rebecca Loyacano. Yay, team! While we are on the topic, I want to offer my heartfelt gratitude to you, Rebecca, and to you, Liz, for sharing your stories and experiences today, and to the entire Family Ministry Discernment Team, and to those of us, those who have supported us in so many different ways. That means you guys, dads and partners who watch those kids on those meetings on the weekends, and Whew, thank you. From our online discussions to our face-to-face meetings to our call to action, you have shown up and you've been a part of a true beginning. Beginning. What we have created goes beyond anything any one of us could have envisioned on our own. There has been deep sharing, heartbreaking honesty, and a clarity of purpose that we hope truly will reflect in our statement our intentions, and all that will come to be as family ministry is finally born. I will leave you today with this quote, a quote by Brene Brown, which has come to embody the very heart and soul of this group, and one which we assume will guide us and challenge us as we go forward. We cannot give our children what we don't have. Where we are on our journey of living and loving with our whole hearts is a much stronger indicator of parenting success and all success than anything we can learn from how-to books. Thank you.